0: That's 919-860-9783. Now here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah.
1: Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello North Carolina, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. So we are the Lewis family. I am Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
2: And I'm Linda Lewis. Welcome to the show.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
1: And we're here tonight to be answering any one of your calls about your own personal financial planning, or your retirement planning, or your cash flow planning, your investment planning, your tax planning, or your estate planning, call us tonight with any question, and we're here to help you. We are the Lewis family, reaching out to you and your family.
2: Well, it's been uh, quite an exciting time in the market and a wonderful day, and Thank you so much for joining us today on Money Matters with the Lewises. And if you've got a question, call us on the open line with your questions at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783.
1: You know, I was enjoying getting back to North Carolina. Yeah. Because the weather is nice. Everything is pleasant. But for much of last week, Linda and I... We're at a conference in the upper mountains of Colorado. Actually, we were at over 11,000 feet, and we were there with a number of due diligence officers from around the country discussing different investments, uh, analyses, uh, alternative investments. It was very interesting. Uh, I was I was more interested in listening to the other uh, officers, due diligence officers, compliance officers, inspection people. I... Uh, Tearing apart some of the investments because it's very easy for an investment to sound just wonderful. Linda, do you remember that one that I liked so much at first? Uh,
2: the automotive one?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> that was
2: interesting. That was very interesting. That was very interesting. An investment interesting opportunity case.
1: in automobile franchises being packaged as an investment for uh, people to put power money into. I think it might have been a real estate investment trust or a reader or something. Uh, Eventually, I became very disconcerted about uh, the way it was structured, and then there were other ones about hotels, and some sounded good, some sounded bad, some I knew quite a bit about, some I didn't know, but I was mainly interested in seeing how there is an emerging due diligence community that's developing across the country to try and protect the investors. I thought it was quite interesting. Deborah. I think you would have loved being there. Oh,
3: I can't wait to go next year. Yeah. And this is probably one of the best opportunities for financial planners who need to do due diligence on alternative investments. That's right. This is probably the best, um, I guess, scene or or opportunity, environment. environment. It certainly is. Yeah.
2: Well, what is new in the area of retirement planning? Well, let me um, interject. There was a
3: great article in the News and Observer today, and it had a whole bunch of opinions. And even one of the um, speakers in the article was a name I recognized. But Linda, why don't we just go over some of the highlights of, you know, why you might want to pay off your mortgage before you retire? And then Doug, if you'll give us some feedback after the, after the article some of the planners um here were some of their viewpoints they said there's no joy like the last mortgage payment and our parents prided themselves on burning that mortgage when it was all done uh when before and hopefully before they retired
2: yes uh more homeowners are carrying mortgage debt into their retirement and it's important to reduce expenses and pay down your debt quicker but uh, these days, baby boomers increasingly are carrying debt into their retirement. They certainly are. And while
3: there are pluses to that, you know, the mortgage interest deduction, some financial planners now advise their clients to pay off the mortgage.
2: The so, so aren't they uh, more concerned with credit card, auto loan, and student loan debt? Well, th- that is a factor. I would say
3: just in regard to mortgage um, mortgages amongst um, the, the elders uh, in our generation, the percentage of homeowners ages 65 and older with mortgage debt increased from 22% in 2001 to 30% in 2011. And this is, has a big impact on people and, and, and what when they're
2: trying to evaluate whether or not they should pay it off before retiring. Yes, and there there, uh, have been statistics that there are, you know, that there's concern that rising mortgage debt is threatening the retirement security of millions of older Americans. In general, older consumers are carrying more debt, including mortgage, uh, as well as credit card and student loan debt into their retirement years. That's really a concern isn't it? It Debra? really is and you know it's a, it's a worrying trend like you know
3: how much does this cause you to worry? So one of the advisors said his philosophy with regard to debt is when you retire your debt should also be retired. He also added, we really adhere to that with our clients. If they have debt, we want them to embark on a journey of getting it paid down and maybe working longer to generate the cash
2: flow to accelerate the payments to get it paid off. I agree with that. And um, another um, financial planner said that one of the dangers of retiring with mortgage debt is that the economy and markets may turn bad. Right. And that would be bad because what if it's going down
3: when you're trying to you know, pay it off? Another uh, thought was people who lived through the depression wouldn't think about retiring without having all their debt cleared. So this is something new. Boomers are not only fine with that debt, but prior to the crash, they
2: tried to retire with a lot of debt. So we can see things have changed. And another planner also said that the retirees with the least amount of stress and the most financial freedom are those with the lowest fixed expenses. I definitely agree with that.
1: So what kind of advice did you see when you came to, well, what do you do if you're retiring or planning to retire and you've got too much mortgage debt?
4: Well, it
3: looked like there were a couple things. Um, you know, you can delay retirement. For example, you know what can you do? You know, if 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 you have all this debt, you might want to uh, delay retiring and and work on reducing expenses. Is another another uh, I, I guess suggestions that they have while. Um, what what one advisor said was he lo- what he likes to do is see how they can pay down the debt to the comfort zone. I think that was a real key
2: phrase, paying it down to your comfort zone. And that's why it is important to work with a certified financial planner that can help you look at you know, where can we reduce our expenses so that we'll have more cash flow that we can uh, apply to paying down the debt. Another thing is pay off your credit card debt and of course, Pay down your mortgage faster.
3: Yeah, if you're an avid saver, it may make sense to redirect some of that money you're putting into your retirement savings to pay down your mortgage earlier. Delaying retirement or working part time to pay off this debt is another way. Um, one advisor in the article said he advises his clients to keep working to pay off debt and maybe spend another six year, six months, or work, uh, or a year working and you'll spend the rest of your life with no debt, and he thinks it's worth it. I guess ultimately, Doug, this is a lot of advice. What would be your feeling in regard to this topic?
1: Well, you know, listening to those suggestions give me the feeling like, uh, really? Maybe that's not practical. I'm going to work another six months. Well, maybe I just got fired. Mm -hmm. I don't have that choice. Right. I'm going to go ahead and just hurry and. Pay off all my debt. I uh, but it's impossible. Right. I don't have that. I don't. I'm, I I'm not able means. to. Right. Yes. Yeah, so what do I do? Uh, I there, there is a strategy that I like to use for our clients sometimes, which I think is practical and is possible. And that is, let's say that a client has uh, a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Okay. And they have an investment portfolio worth about eight hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And then they've also got a little IRA. Maybe not so little. Maybe it came, including the 401k, to a couple hundred thousand. All right. All right. But they're worried about this $200,000 mortgage debt. Okay. One thing that they can do, which I like doing, is opening up a brokerage account and moving about 300 or 400,350, something like that, of their mutual funds that are in their personal name over into their brokerage account. Now they haven't done a thing actually. They haven't liquidated, they haven't sold their investments, they haven't had to work faster in anything, but immediately they can borrow $200,000 against it. Against it and write off and immediately pay off the entire mortgage. Now they have no mortgage yet. They didn't have to wait 6 months. They didn't have to do a cash flow budget to figure it out. They simply moved a certain amount of their investments into a brokerage account and then borrowed against it. They haven't liquidated a thing. They haven't sold their investments. And now they have zero debt. Of course, they do have a $200,000 debt against their investments that are in this brokerage account, but it's their account.
3: So they've sort of borrowed against themselves. They've
1: borrowed against themselves. They don't have to be approved for anything. There's no qualification or anything like that. And now, after the arrangement is... Now they're debt-free. They have no debt. Sounds good. Worst case is... They've lost their $200,000 in their investments. Right. But they don't have to lose a penny because they can now go ahead and as they move into retirement, start start throwing some income to retiring that debt against their investments. And they're able to go straight into, uh, into retirement with the comfort factor that you talked about, Linda, the stress-free that they don't owe anything to the bank. They can never lose their home.
2: And for example, as they... You know, get older. And for example, if they had to, uh, you know, take their required minimum distribution but didn't need that extra income, they could take that amount of money and retire that debt to themselves. The
1: big right? thing is they have no risk of losing their home. And that is the uh, wonderful re- reduction of stress.
2: And I like what they said.
4: You're what? listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family. On News Radio 680 WPTF. Uh, if you've got a question tonight, all you've got to do is pick up your phone and dial 919 860 9783. That's right, the open line tonight is 919 860 9783. You're
2: listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at Lewis Financial Management if you have questions about retirement. About your retirement plan, whether or not you're making the right choices in your 401k, cash flow planning, mortgages, etc. Call us at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, I guess the biggest piece of um,
3: advice is that there's always a different way to look at any scenario, whether it's mortgage debt that's keeping you up late at night, whether it's your investments, there's always uh, another way. And and hiring a financial planner is the first way to getting a real um, alternative perspective on how to get your goals accomplished. Go ahead, Doug.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I saw an article by Robert Johnson, Ph.D., he is the president and the CEO of the American College of Financial Services, which is the largest accredited nonprofit educator, which is dedicated to the financial services prof- profession itself. And uh, he was focusing on some new potential legislation that's coming out, but he really wanted to see that, wanted us to see the value of good financial advice. Far outweighs the cost because the market is on a volatility roller coaster once again. Many average investors are caught somewhere between fear and panic. Mm-hmm. These are the days good personal financial advice matters most.
3: It does. No Robo advisor will keep you from selling at the worst possible moment, but a good financial advisor absolutely will. And they might even encourage you to buy more when the securities are on sale, meaning it's gone down in value. How much is having access to financial advice saving the American public each year?
1: Yeah, there's been a great deal of focus recently upon the cost of financial advice to the exclusion of everything else. In fact, even the Obama administration claims that conflicts of interest, claiming the backdoor payments and hidden fees to investments, costing investors right now, he says, $17 billion a year. And so as a partial result of that, there is a hotly debated change in the fiduciary standard applicable to ERISA plans and IRAs, and it's been proposed for the second time by the Department of Labor, and there will be a regulation coming probably uh, sometime by next spring.
3: What is often neglected in these debates, however, is the value of financial advice, and what value was never clearer than at the opening on August 24th. The Dow Jones was down... Uh, almost a point, but opened down 1,100 points as panicked investors, individual investors, sold out of their stock market, out of the stock market, as they feared what the market would continue, that the market would continue to plummet. Later in the day, these same investors might have felt a bit foolish as the market had rallied 1,000 points off the low. So we can see there was a lot of
2: movement and, and unnecessary movement. Well... There are some things that you can do before you retire. And um, what Mr. Johnson said was, what I taught, I explained that being a financial planner is part teacher and part psychologist. The best financial advisors counsel clients and prepare them for days such as August 24th. And the really good ones don't even hear from their clients on days like that. Those clients know that they have a long-term plan and they need to stick to it. They don't even succumb to the panic that grips many do-it-yourself investors who watch 24-hour news and then buy in to the crisis.
1: Yeah, so personally, I would suggest that instead of focusing only on the cost of financial advice, we should consider the extraordinary benefits of financial advice. I personally contend that the value of good financial advice swamps the cost of financial advice, and it's especially in times like these that the difference is so amazingly clear. It's really my own personal hope that we're going to see regulations that encourage broader access to financial advice rather than discouraging it, because every American at every income level should be able to find out what it feels like not to panic at every twist and turn of the market and really enjoy a more secure retirement
2: it's really true isn't it and i i believe that by looking at cash flow planning you know at every stage of your life whether you're a young person who's gotten their first job or even if you're just a college student and you've got to manage how many pizzas you'll be able to buy this week um you know planning uh at every stage and addressing all of your questions along the way, working with a competent advisor, a certified financial planner, someone you trust that's going to help you and lead you with a roadmap towards your financial future. Well, you're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. And if you've got a question, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on the open lines at 860-9783. That's 860 wptf and if you're out of town, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And for cellular callers, it is STARS 680. Well, Doug, let's take a caller now.
1: Well, Chris, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you? Yeah, I have a question. I'm in the process
5: of buying a house, and I'm trying to decide what type of um, what type of term to go with. Uh-huh. And people have told me in the past that if you go with a 30-year loan, and if you make an extra payment towards the principal each year, that you would in turn almost pay it off in the same amount of time that you would on a fifteen-year loan. Uh-huh. Is any of this
1: true, or? Well, it may be true, and it may be ir- it may be not true. But in either case, it's irrelevant. It's not part of the equation that you're concerned about. First of all, if you end up fifteen years from now with a house with no mortgage and the inability to buy any food to live in the house. Would you be happy just having a house paid off and no groceries? No, uh, of course not. Okay, so the goal isn't to see how fast you can have a house with no mortgage on it. The goal is to see how soon you can achieve what's called financial independence. How old are you, Chris? 33. 33 years old. Generally, a 30-year on uh, will give you a greater tax savings than a 15-year mortgage. Okay. Because the percentage of... Of your, payche- of your payment to the bank is going to be bigger on the 30-year mortgage than on the 15-year mortgage. Okay. And that means that more of your payment will be refunded to you in the way of a deduction on Schedule A on your tax return, which basically means that you have more money to invest towards financial independence. Now, if a person doesn't choose to start investing Then they're out of this equation totally because it only works if you're going to be accumulating what you save. If you go ahead and take a 30-year loan, then you are stretching your payments 15 years longer, yes, but your goal should be to accumulate the difference that you're not paying in in your mortgage payments. That money should be directed into an accumulation vehicle like a mutual fund. So that at the end of 15 years, and when we run these numbers in my office, we very often see because of the power of compound rate of return, at the end of 15 years of investments, you may be only halfway through your mortgage, or maybe even less. But for example, how much of the mortgage you're going to take out?
0: The loan is 113.
1: All right, so your goal should be at the end of 15 years to be able to have maybe 200 or 300,000 accumulated. Have your house still halfway through your mortgage, then you can write a check for the remainder on the mortgage. Let's say you have still sixty thousand left to pay on your mortgage. If you've got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars accumulated, you write a check for sixty thousand dollars, you pay off the mortgage, and maybe you've got a hundred and seventy or a hundred and eighty or a hundred and ninety left in cash, plus you still have the home paid off. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh huh, sure did. That's the power of the compound rate of return because the 15-year mortgage will only go down at a simple rate of return. Okay. Uh, also, you will get a better tax relief along the way. So at your age, you want a 30-year amortization rather than a 15-year.
5: Oh, I certainly appreciate it.
1: Jot down my office number. It's eight seven two seven thousand. 7000 That's 919 7000 And some people remember that as just USA 7000.
2: All right, great. Thank Thank,
1: you for calling. Thank
2: thank you. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. And if you've got a question, we'd love to hear it. You can call us on the open lines at 860-9783. And if you're out of town, it's toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And cellular callers, it is star 680. Well, what's new in the world of cash flow planning?
3: Well, Linda, Doug, whether it's early in life... During your career or after the death of a spouse, you really need cash flow planning.
1: Yeah, actually, over my career, I've met with women who have lost their husbands and because they were never really involved in the family finances, after her husband has passed away, she was overwhelmed. Now, I will say this as an aside, women tend to deal with spousal loss much better than men. But unfortunately, I've had my share of meetings with both widows and widowers who have not managed to take control of their financial situation. And I guess we could touch on some money pitfalls to avoid if indeed you have lost your spouse.
3: I'd say for a first one would be not long after the mourning period and before the insurance check arrives, their surviving spouse becomes very popular among relatives with business ideas.
1: Yes, indeed.
3: You know, the widow is hit up for money for the quote-unquote next hottest business.
1: That is so sad, but it's actually true, Deborah. And then there are the financial bad apples, the people themselves that actually prey on those who are recently widowed. There's a natural inclination among surviving spouses to invest in something called a secure investment offering a regular income that never runs out. There are all kinds of products being pitched to supposedly help accomplish this goal. And sadly, these products tend to enrich the salesperson rather than you, the investor. I think it was Ken Fisher, the CEO of Fisher Investments, he said that buying an annuity, instead you might just as well give the salesperson the money to put his kids through private school. Yeah. Uh, there. It's just a sad thing that there are those who prey upon the widows with this aspect of a secure income.
2: Is is that because of the commission that the person gets? There's the that, and,
1: and, and, and the annuity sometimes is the worst investment. There are other ways to get secure uh, to get a secure income stream rather than giving up your principal giving up your investment
3: right That's frequently it's just the it's just the wrong investment upon receipt of a large sum of money from an insurance policy do nothing
2: with the money for three to four months
1: I believe we should always follow that principle advising our clients
2: just yeah. stick it in the bank right don't That's make right. any rash or impulsive purchases or even purchase investments until you, whether you're a widow or a widower, until you feel like you're in control and you're making rational decisions. That's right.
3: We've seen many instances where a surviving spouse receives a large death benefit and then squanders it immediately, you know, by buying all these things that were quote-unquote needed to be bought, or they may even just give overly large gifts to the children to try and help them out. Nothing against helping children, but make sure you have enough for yourself first.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Deborah. Before making any investment or gifting decisions, it's important to figure out how much money is needed on a monthly basis. Wait a few months to try to determine how much money that you need to live on. And the reason to wait a while is that you may have all kinds of immediate expenses that are going to skew your budget and give you an inflated figure of what you need. And then after things calm down, then you can start to track those expenses. Of course, in our office, that's exactly what we do with our widows and our widowers. We start tracking those expenses. Break down the expenses. Break them down to those which are monthly and those which are annual one-timers. And once you've got all that organized, then write down all of your various sources of income. Your salary, your Social Security, any pension or rental income. And this means that once you know how much money enters into your bank account each month, you can create a budget that limits your spending of what goes out of the bank account to the amount that comes in.
3: That's right. After defining cash flow needs, investment allocation decisions can be made. If income is less than expenses, the money can be invested to generate income to cover to cover to supplement the monthly shortfall. Conversely, if expenses are lower than current
2: income, more growth can be allocated to the portfolio. You know, the death of a spouse is emotionally devastating, but you need to continue living your life. So by avoiding certain traps and implementing these tips, you can start taking control of your financial situation, which to some degree will help enable the healing to begin. It's really true, isn't it, Doug? Isn't it, Deborah? It really is. You just got to slow it down, take an assessment, take a
3: couple months to know what those monthly living expenses are. Where's the reoccurring monthly income coming from? What are the re- reoccurring monthly expenses going out? Matching that up, then you'll know what you need.
1: And we are the Lewis family. We're here to help you in any situation that you have. Remember, you can also go to our website. DougandLinda.com. That's DougandLinda.com. In addition, we'd like to remind all of our listeners that those who call the office for appointments this coming week will receive a free book. We will either give you a book called The Wealthy Barber, or one called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth, or one called Middle Class Millionaire. We have been enjoying giving these books to clients who came in in recent weeks, and we always want to remind our listeners that your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
2: 32 years of excellence in financial planning. We're in Midtown Raleigh. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is 919 872 That's 919-USA-7000.
1: Well, Deborah, what's new in the world of tax planning? We've touched on investment planning and financial planning and retirement planning. What about tax planning?
3: Well, there are some smart tax moves to make right now. And now that we reach the um, third quarter mark of 2015, you should have a pretty good idea of your progress or the lack thereof. When it comes to your taxes, we believe there is no better time than right now to make sure you're doing everything possible to limit what you'll owe the IRS for 2015. So here are a few ideas to help and see where you stand now and more importantly resolve on how you can do better as at, until the end of the year. So fix your withholding. If you're a serial refund receiver, you have a golden opportunity to give yourself a pay raise. Simply tell your boss to quit spending or sending so much of your salary off to the IRS. Basically just file a new W-4 form at work and cut withholding and increase your take home pay. Another down and dirty easy way is to reevaluate your 401k contributions.
1: Yeah, because for 2015, workers who are under age 50 can contribute as much as 18,000 to their 401k accounts and older workers can contribute as much as $24,000. Now last year's limits, you know, were only 17,000 and 23,000. So the first thing that you can ask yourself is how close are you to maxing out this tax savings for yourself? You need to contribute, of course, enough to capture 100% of anything that the employer is matching because if not, you're leaving money on the table. But then take a look at your budget and see if you can squeeze out a little more into this tax shelter just as an aside, an extra $100 a month. For the next 25 years, cost you only 30, well, I shouldn't say only, but it will cost you $30,000, but what it adds up to be is nearly $100,000 extra in your retirement nest egg, assuming, of course, that you get an 8% annual return. So second thing that you can do is reevaluate your 401k contributions.
3: You can probe your taxable portfolio. Come November and December, financial publications and websites will be flooded with advice on year end investment moves. But there's no reason to wait until the leaves fall off the trees. Take the temperature of your investments now. If you decide it's time to take some money off the table by realizing profits now, consider whether this is a good time to harvest losses. Never make an investment solely. Never make an investment move solely for tax purposes, but the tax-saving power of dumping a poor performer might be the extra push you
2: need to seek out a better investment. Yes, and um, wouldn't you agree that because we're in the last quarter of the year, if, if you, our listeners, happen to have appreciated assets such as stocks, real estate, maybe a farm, or... Maybe a business to to sell. Doug, isn't a sort certi- of uh, a charitable trust, a charitable remainder trust, one of the strategies that folks can use to sell their property or assets tax free?
1: Yeah, well, the the subject, of course, is what about tax planning, and we're in the third quarter, and you're exactly right, both you and Deborah, right? Deborah's point is that uh, taking your dogs, the losses, And selling them now and catching those losses may make very good sense rather than waiting. And your point of the opposite ones, how about the ones that have done well? uh, They've appreciated quite a bit. Or what about the farm? Or what about the business that you want to sell? The question you're asking, Linda, is really, does it make sense to try and get it done before the year is over? And yes, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense because of three reasons. Number one. Number one. By using the the charitable trust strategy, you can, of course, you can sell that farm tax-free and avoid all taxes. You can sell that entire portfolio of stocks tax-free and avoid all taxes. You can sell that business tax-free and avoid all taxes. That's one tax benefit. Another tax benefit, however, which is very important, is that by doing it this year, you get a tax deduction just as if you were making a gift to a charity, a Schedule A deduction. And your question is really, is there enough time left in the year? I think there is. If we were to come into uh, November, I would say, it's it, no, there's not enough time because we have to get a trust set up. But for those people that are on the edge, trying to decide, yes, there is time to do it this year, to get the tax deduction for 2015. And so yes, I think it does make sense for people who are in that category also.
2: You know, Doug, uh, I was just reminded as we were in Colorado, um, you know, the world is really small when you think (laughs) about it. Here we are, we're having breakfast, lovely morning, and the air is very crisp. And a lady comes up and she sits at the next table and you know, she, you can tell she's a senior citizen, but she's alone because, you know, she, it turns out she's from another state, but she's there visiting at her condo there in, in uh, Keystone. Keystone. And so as we're talking, she tells us she's from Richmond and then come to find out that your high school and her high school used to compete <laughs> against each other. And then to make the story even more interesting, she begins to tell us that, you know, her husband's not there because they own three nursing homes in, you know, somewhere in the, in the uh, middle part of the country. And, you know, at this stage of their life, they're thinking they're ready to sell their businesses. And so this is an opportune time before year end to sell a business, to sell an appreciated asset or a farm if you need extra income or you're trying to simplify your life.
1: It was interesting because as we were talking with her, having no idea that she was from the same part of the country that I was, that her high school had played my high school, and then that her husband went to law school, and I went to Washington and Lee Law School, and then that her husband is working out some sort of a tax strategy of how to sell these nursing homes. And when I told her, you might let him know that there is a very little understood mechanism where you can sell those nursing homes 100% tax-free. And she was just shocked because (laughs) she'd been involved in all of his strategizing, but he had no idea, even though he was an attorney, he had no idea that there is such a vehicle available. That's exactly right. And
2: to make the story even more interesting, our little waitress was from Goldsboro. (laughs) It really is a small world. The is really small, isn't it? Well,
3: another thing is, if you've just turned 70 this year, or if you've turned 70 this year, there are some things you need to know about what's called the required minimum distribution. Uh, if you're celebrating your 70th birthday during the first half of 2015, you'll be 70 and a half by year end. And that means that you're going to have to start this RMD, the required minimum distribution, from your IRAs and your other retirement plans. For IRAs, you'll combine the balance and all of your traditional IRAs to determine your RMD. You can withdraw the required amount from any combination of accounts. For 401ks and other employer plans, you must figure separate RMDs for each plan based on the December 31, 2014 balance. Since this is your first RMD, you will have until April 1 to make the withdrawal. But if you postpos- postpone it past December 31, you'll be forced to take Two RMDs in 2016, which could boost you into a higher tax bracket. Start planning now what your strategy is going to be.
4: If you've got if you're listening tonight and you've got a question for the Lewis family, you can pick up your phone right now and call the open line. That number tonight is 919-860-9783. No commercials in this show, and we're taking it live until 7 PM. You've got just under 20 minutes left, so call right now. 919 860 9783 So, yeah, with regard to tax planning,
1: I think one other thing is you might take a look at letting Uncle Sam help you with your debt, check your credit card bills to see how much interest you've paid so far in 2015. If you keep going at this pace, how much will you pay for the entire year? And now ask yourself, would it make any sense to use home equity borrowing to pay off the credit cards? While you can't deduct the interest paid on the cards, If you itemize, you can write off personal interest on up to $100,000 of home equity debt. Just imagine this, $10,000 of credit card debt at 15% is going to cost you $1,500 a year in carrying charges. But that same $10,000 of debt on a 4% home equity line of credit only costs you $400. And if you happen to be in the 25% tax bracket, then Uncle Sam is going to pick up about $112 of that $400. So, yeah, this is a good time to consider what about letting Uncle Sam help you with your debt.
3: Ultimately, take a good look at all of these items. And bottom line, hire a certified financial planner like the Lewis family. That's what we do year in, year out. We help you navigate the tax planning issues
2: this year, next year, and going forward. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh. 32 years of excellence in financial planning. That number to call is 919 872 7000. That's 919 USA 7000. All right, Doug, let's take another call.
1: All right, Paul, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you?
5: Uh, I'd like to spell out my situation. I'm 27 years old, and I have been uh, cruising along and investing in, in saving, and now that I'm engaged, I'm a little concerned that my strategy is a little too aggressive. So if I could spell it out and then have some feedback, I would really appreciate it. Go ahead. Okay, I have a uh, 2070- savings account of $6,000. 6000
1: in savings. Brokerage
5: account uh, that is about 70% uh, stock. Uh, 50% and no, 30% cash of $120,000. And my IRA is about $8,000, about
1: $8,200. I'm real proud of you. At 27 years old, you've already accumulated. It uh, looks like you're well over 120000 already.
5: Yes, sir. And mm-hmm. let me finish. I have one more uh, asset, really the one I'm most proud of. I have uh, five different dividend reinvestment plans. Uh, the total, the, the sum of all five is about $20,000.
1: Okay.
5: Uh, they're in five blue chip stocks and that's really it my wife or fiance uh, is her annual income is of about 25,000 and she has a school debt of around 20,000 i have uh, no no debt at all right now we we don't have a house we're, we're in the market to buy one
2: currently
1: okay um
2: how did you accumulate all that money
1: well I, let's get some facts about income that may tell us
5: my my income is 45 to 50
1: so he's just really done a good job of saving. He's been single, and he's been saving. That's really good. I hope all the listeners that listen uh, take, uh, 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 take note because you've done a good job. A couple of things that I advise you against. Number one, do not buy the house. I know you don't want to hear that. Don't buy the house. Okay. Uh, a number of reasons that you shouldn't, but a hold back on that one. It produces both financial and emotional trauma in a new marriage. So hold back on that one. It won't hurt her if she really... Likes a fancy house, then rent a nice, fancy, luxury uh, apartment or condo for the no, year. No,
5: that's really me. I want the house, I think, a little more than she does.
1: Good. Then you got to, it sounds like you picked a good wife, too. You do well at picking investments and wives. <laughs> uh, sometimes we have greedy wives when they come in our office, and I got to try and tell them to slow down, and let's get some financial sense here.
5: No, I can't describe her that way at all.
1: Good for you. Okay, then don't, don't go for the house. Hold that back uh, and wait until you see how it's going to go, how the marriage is going to go, the housing situation, the types of things, types of taste and everything, and get past the first year of marriage before you go buy the house.
5: Okay. Well, we have a pretty long relationship. We've known each other for over 10 years and have been dating for five. So
1: Still, I mean, I've had them before. I've had them okay. come to me when they're living. That's just my okay. first piece of advice. Well, I just wanted to throw that in. I, and, and, and I appreciate it. Okay. Number two, the investments. Now you say you think that she that she's probably uh, not as as aggressive as you, and therefore you're worried about uh, how to redo the whole situation.
5: First well, of all, it's not really her strategy or mine. I, I just have, now that I'm engaged, I've, I've kind of reassessed and think it's a little too aggressive. Right. I don't and own a mu- mutual fund. I you're don't right. Own no a you're, bond or anything. It's all stock.
1: Yeah, and, and I, cash. And you're exactly right. It is too aggressive, uh, and it's an accident waiting to happen. And I'm glad that, you, that you've identified the same issue. What's basically missing here is an asset allocation pattern. We need an asset allocation model to be applied to the entire thing that, accom- that, that will accommodate both the initial situation, which totals, let me see, 120, 126, 136, about 150,000, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So we need an overall asset allocation model to take care of $150,000. Then we need to go ahead and set up a strong pay yourself first plan going into the future asset allocation model because your income is uh, what did you say it was? 45, 50. All right, your Close income is 45. All right, your income's 45,000, her income is 25,000. We now have a new income source so we can even accumulate more. We've got a uh, 45,500. We've got a $70,000 family income. Right. Neither of y'all been married and have children? Neither, no. Okay. So, we got what we call dinks. It's uh, uh, financial planning for dinks, dual income, no kids. Okay. So, financial planning for dinks is really nice when you've got numbers like this, especially with a head start. You can easily accumulate a million dollars before you're 35 or 38 or something like that. I'd have to run the numbers, but that's okay. that's not the issue. The issue is that you can accumulate a lot early with an asset allocation model the way you want to do this you want to set up a meeting with a certified financial planner to take you through this process but with the investments, you should not be in individual stocks you should be in the hands of money managers you can be with aggressive money managers or conservative or a mix of both but you need to have the asset allocation model applied to the entire thing with a 150,000 uh, fifty thousand dollar portfolio I would say maybe you should start with uh, $25,000 units. That would let you have uh, six funds and then start feeding the seventh fund at the rate of whatever the surplus is of your old 70000 income minus the expenses. It should have a ba- I don't think you should have any bond funds, not at your age. Uh, you might have one junk bond fund if you wanted to throw it in there just to see what would happen. But you could have growth funds, growth and income funds. Uh, I wouldn't have any index funds. Uh, I'd have some international funds, I'd have some small cap and large cap internationals. And probably the session with the financial planner should deal with risk tolerance.
2: If I can provide any more information for you, you can call the office at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. We're here in Raleigh. I'll be happy to either send you some information or see what we can do to answer any more questions that you might have. Okay. And we appreciate your calling.
4: Bye now. If you've got a question tonight, we've got just over 10 minutes left in the show. Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. Uh, The number to dial is 919 860 9783. Maybe uh, the show has raised a question uh, for you this evening. Uh, The number to dial is 919 860 9783.
2: And call us at Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh. 32 years of excellence in financial planning schedule your appointment call us at 919-872-7000 that's 919 USA 7000 and visit us at DougAndLinda.com.
1: you know i really appreciate paul he is part of a new group of people that are called the echo boomers some people call them millennial uh, millennial investors they're actually what some have been calling the echo boomers those are the children of the baby boomers and of course yeah their ages
3: are 18 to 35 so if you fit in that car- category you're you're what's known as a millennial investor or an echo boomer
1: yeah and the echo boomers are very different we're discovering just like Paul there are uh, they are reaching out for financial advice and they want to uh, they have they have a different set of of personality structures than the ones we had, so uh, their parents, for example. Well, I think we've got a caller on hold. Let's take Tom. I don't know if he's an echo boomer or not, but let's find out, Tom. Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening?
6: Doug, I have a question. I've heard you and other people give the same advice. You should invest in the funds, not by the funds themselves, but by the people who manage them. Correct. How do you find out who manages these funds? How do you track their records?
1: Okay. Uh, and it's a very difficult question to answer. I uh, It can be answered, but you have to do your own homework. For example, I uh, Morningstar is a good place to start. Morningstar does indeed give us a lot of information about the tenure. Uh, that's the T-E-N-U-R-E, the tenure of the managers. Uh-huh. Uh, A lot of people are concerned because many companies advertise the track record of a mutual fund, but they don't let you know that the manager who made that fund is now gone. Uh, Last year, the largest mutual fund in the United States uh, is still advertising their track record. Of course, the manager left. Bill Gross, yeah. I didn't want to mention his name, but that's that's all right. (laughs) Anyway, yes, indeed, he did leave. Uh, So Morningstar is a good place to start. And then you can go further. You can go to the websites of the individual fund families, and you can find out some help there. In our own practice, that's one of the services that we provide to our clients. I, Of course, we as certified financial planners, we do go ahead and only use financial planning um, uh, tools. And when it comes down to... To stay
3: up with this very thing.
1: That's the very thing. If yeah. we see a manager has left, then we will be recommend, recommending that... The kind of, that the portfolio be has there been a away. change
3: Tom in one of your investments or is this in going forward you would like to no, invest in mutual a, funds
6: a question I've had because I've heard that advice several times and I I've never had a tool that I, that I would know how to use to find who manages a fund or what they
3: well I'll tell you but well the prospectus has to tell you who is currently the manager what you'll have to do is dig a little
1: deeper And some prospectuses will give you the length of time that they've been on the fund and so forth. How old are you, Tom? I'm 63. You're 63. Have you ever met with a certified financial planner in the past? All right. You might want to jot down our phone number. It might do well to come in and have an appointment with us. Uh, that's one of the things that we covered during our first appointment. You will pay a fee for our advice because we are not selling products. We are selling advice. Okay. But <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, that's exactly the kind of thing. You may have other questions. Tom, our number at the office is 919-872-7000. That's 919 872 7000 and if you want to see what our faces look like and how we act uh, operate our website is called doug and com. there we've got interviews and videos of ourselves
3: doug i would add one more thing for tom uh tom one of the things that we usually cover during a meeting is like Linda frequently says on our show make a list of questions a lot of questions that people have is can you tell me about what i have who's managing it What's been its performance? You know, tell me more about what I own. Another version of that question is, tell me about these investments that I would like to own. What's your opinion on these managers? What's your opinion on these funds? So we can be very specific when we're not on the air. I understand.
1: Yeah, that's a a part of the enjoyment that I have is actually diving in. I meet with a lot of the mutual fund managers, myself personally, and then come back and give the feedback to the clients. And sometimes I set meetings up to where the clients can talk with the managers themselves. But the bigger thing is to look at your entire financial world, because as we've tried to hit on this evening, uh, on tonight's show, financial planning is largely about investments, but it's not totally investments. There's income tax planning, cash flow planning. There's estate planning. Estate planning is a big thing. And oh yeah, retirement people, planning. Yeah, you're 60 years old. I don't know uh, how uh, how far you've gone in your own estate plan. Have you have you uh, have you developed a a, a, a com- comprehensive estate plan for yourself? No, I haven't, done. Well, I would say that's something that's crucial. Uh, as a matter of fact, um. Uh, do you know the difference between a living trust and a will? Not
6: exactly. I've heard you explain it before, but I know not well, all.
1: Well, I think it's very important because when you're 30, it doesn't hit you. Well, it doesn't come out of my advice so often. When you're 60, I get very concerned about the God forbid scenario. Not God forbid that you die, but God forbid that you don't die. God forbid that you become disabled, that you're exercising, that you're jogging. Yeah. yeah, you have a stroke. You're somehow incapacitated. Yeah. And that's exactly the point in time when a revocable living trust becomes the most usable tool. Uh, and most people think, well, I've got a will, but you didn't die. So it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, the will matter. only
3: works when you're dead.
1: That's right. And then others say, well, I have a power of attorney. Well, that doesn't work because, it, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't work. It, it may not work. I've seen some of the largest mutual fund companies in the United States refuse to accept the power of attorney. So the revocable living trust may be something that you want to learn more about.
3: What are the things that are on your mind, Tom, other than just who might be the managers of mutual funds?
6: Well, not really a whole lot in the financial area. Uh, More maybe uh, helping my son who's 22 and he's wanting to start investing things. And he's, he's looking to me for some information and, In that area I have been able to help him. I know you look at the managers, but I haven't this is how we need to do
3: it. Well we do a lot of what's called family planning meetings where for example in your situation you and your son would come in together and that way Uh, he could get professional advice and you would be there as a as a as another recipient of that advice so that the two of you could help him going forward. um, that because that has become very popular as a way for the elder generation to help the younger generation move in a direction that perhaps you yourself have already done. You know, so again, just to reiterate what Doug was saying, jot down our number 919-872-7000, you know, leave me a message um tonight, if you'd like, at the office, and we'll pick up the conversation where I can be much more specific, but a family planning, financial planning session sounds like exactly where we could get started in moving him in the right direction, the direction that you want to see him, you know, becoming financially independent. Okay.
1: How about, are you, are you married? Or, yeah, or I'm married. All right, so for sure you would want your wife at that meeting, you know, we have found through the years that... Uh, one of the most uh, important aspects is that both the husband and the wife are educated. So they're proactive as life goes on. As you going into your retirement years. Are you still working or are you retired, Tom? I'm still working. All right. So you're moving towards that stage. You know what I'm saying? This uh-huh. is the last decade for most people that are still working. And this is the time that you and your wife want to be making all the plans for the future. And you, and she, you want her to be as educated as you. I would like that.
2: And, uh, you know, your comfort level is the most important thing. And certainly because, you know, you spent your lifetime working, saving, you know, in your retirement plan, taking care of your children. It makes sense, doesn't it, to write down your questions and work with a competent advisor that can give you the comfort that you're prepared for your retirement. Thank you for calling, Tom, and have a wonderful week. Uh,
1: thank you all. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank God bless you. you. And to all of our listeners, remember, your money matters because your financial plan and financial future is at stake. We are the Lewis family to help you and your family.
0: You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919 872 7000. That's 919 872 7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.